Beautiful, thank you. Good morning, friends. Welcome to Myers Park United Methodist Church. My name is Uyan. I'm one of the pastors here. Whether it be joining us in person or online, we're so grateful that you've discerned and decided to be present today with one another to worship Jesus as a family of God. I invite you to let us know who you are, especially if you're a first-time visitor or relatively new. Uh, there's a physical hospitality pad at the end of your pews in the back of your bulletin. You can use your smartphones to let us know who you are and how we can be in prayers for you. And for those of us online, there's a virtual hospitality link that you can click on. Let us know who you are uh, so that we can share more information in the ministries of our church here throughout this ongoing summer. One thing that I wanted to share with you, our senior pastor, Dr. James Howe, says hello. He misses you as we miss him. As all of you know, he's on his uh, sabbatical at the moment. He will be returning back to us on August the 1st, which is just a few more weeks, and we look forward to seeing him again soon. I'm so grateful to be joined by my friend and colleague, Pastor Nancy. What else is going on today? There's a lot of stuff going on here at Myers Park. It may be summer, but we haven't slowed down a bit. And we're already looking forward to the fall. You'll find all kinds of information in your bulletin and also on this week at Myers Park. A couple of things I want to call to your attention. Number one, Mary Market is buying gifts now in preparation for Christmas. So please look at that and see if there's a way that you might be able to support that ministry. Also, children are now registering for Sunday school. So go ahead and get your kids and your grandkids and your nieces and nephews all registered for Sunday school because we are so blessed to have a wonderful, wonderful children's program. Now let's prepare our hearts for worship.
Friends at home, friends here, let's join our voices together as one as we affirm our faith using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he arose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. would you join me in our prayer of confession, which you can find there in your bulletin. Let us pray. Holy God, breathe new life into us. Where there is idleness, inspire growth. Where there is distraction, guide us toward you. Where there is bitterness, shower us with grace. May your love transform us, O Lord. Amen. Here is the truth. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He will forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. In Jesus' name, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The Gospel reading is Matthew chapter 13, beginning with the first verse. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat there, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they had not much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell upon thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, 
Psalm 30. He who has ears, let him hear. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. This is what was sown among the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is he who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the delight in riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is he who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So earlier in Matthew chapter 12, we read about Jesus getting into conflicts with the Pharisees, which I suppose is really nothing new that goes on throughout his ministry. Pharisees are bent on destroying him, as we read about it in, in Matthew 12, accusing Jesus of uh, working for the Satan. So that's a pretty big, big deal. And then toward the end of chapter 12, we see that um, Jesus gets into seemingly some conflicts with his, even his own family. And then we have our passage, and then toward the end of chapter 13, shortly after our scripture reading for today, gospel reading for today, we see that even in his own town, hometown, Jesus is rejected by the Nazarenes. So between the series of heartaches and disappointments and rejections, we find our passage, this parable, a parable that speaks to the seed, soil, and sower. I think all of us, to a certain degree, can, can relate to, to what's going on here. It is very difficult, if not almost impossible, to proclaim, to share something that which is so good and perhaps even obvious to us, to those whom we care for, only for such message to be both rejected and reviled in this case. I remember uh, one of my close friends who's a family physician. This is especially during his earlier years of his practice. He'd call me often knowing that I'm I'm a pastor. He thought I could be of some service to him, so he'd call me and bear his soul in just great frustration. He would see patient after patient, <clears throat> and a vast majority of whom he just simply told them, hey, if you stop binge drinking, stop chain smoking, stop doing drugs, right? meth is bad, uh, make some modification to what you eat on a regular basis, walk every now and then, uh, get good sleep. It will make a remarkable difference in your health. Uh, it will add 10 good years to your life. You'll get off of close to a dozen medications. Sounds simple enough, perhaps not. But very few, if any, of his patients would actually do these 
available things for their own good, and it would just drive him mad. He would be so disappointed and disheartened asking questions like, what am I doing this for? I'm not making any difference whatsoever. We all have our different versions of the same story. The parable reminds us today that we are, no, we are not alone in such struggles of facing rejection and disappointments. Jesus knows all too well. Uh, Jesus is not simply telling this parable. He lives it. He lives it throughout his ministry where he proclaims the good news for the good of his people only to be so often rejected and reviled. He encounters all kinds of challenging souls in his path. So the question may be then, what makes it for a hospitable soil environment? Uh, what are the prerequisite for seeds to bear fruits? And conversely, what are the times in which the seeds finds itself to be in hard ground, sunny ground, thorny ground, for it to be wither away and die? So there is the path, there is the rock, there is the thorn, and the fourth soil, of course, is the good soil. Some get eaten up, some, some are scorched, some are choked, and others bear even as much as hundredfolds of fruits. I think the traditional understanding of this parable is good, and it's something that we would do well to hold on to. So the traditional Interpretation for me, as I kind of grown up with it in the Sunday school, is, uh, and I don't know about you, I didn't grow up in agrarian culture. I grew up in the city in Seoul, South Korea. I didn't see grass until I moved to Texas. Uh, but, but the traditional interpretation is you have this farmer, the sower, uh, and in many ways this sower is not such a good farmer. Because instead of solely focusing on the good soil, this farmer, for whatever reason, throws the seeds onto the path, onto the rock, onto the thorns. Yeah? And like the sower is Jesus. Jesus is the good sower. Instead of wholly focusing the message of God's good news on those whom he might identify, we might perceive as well-to-do folks, who are worthy of our time and investment, Jesus not only seeds the, uh, sow the seeds to those folks, Jesus also scatters the seeds to those people who would be the equivalent of the path, the rock, and the thorn. And so then the lesson is we should do just like Jesus, just like the good sower, in ways of spending our time, our resources, investing of ourselves unto others that we don't simply identify, quote-unquote, well-to-do, good investment of crop of people, but rather we should indiscriminately share the good news, share of ourselves to those folks who may be less than reputable and less than what we perceive to be good, right? That's a good lesson. That's good news, and we should do that as Jesus does and as the sower does in our story. Uh, but if we are to look at a slightly from a different angle, there's another layer to this story. Uh, this past week, as I've been reading and meditating and praying on this very well-known passage from Matthew chapter 13, I did some more digging, and I was able to find some new information. So in kind of the industrialized modern era in America, the farmer would be careful to prepare the soil with just the right pH balance 
to prepare the soil so that it would uh, have fertilization for it to be fruitful. Meaning, uh, farmers in the kind of the modern industrialized world, uh, we know ahead of time what the good soil is and therefore we're able to focus on that said soil. Not so much in the first century agrarian culture where Jesus is speaking to and people would have heard it differently. As I understand it, and this was a new revelation to me, in Jesus' time, casting the seed was what happened first, and the plowing happened afterwards. So here's what that means. That means the farmer, whether good or bad, would not actually know ahead of time what type of soil then uh, he was scattering the seeds toward. That only came later. That changes a little bit of the perspective of this story. This means, that, uh, this means that according to this first century farming, uh, the sower had to simply scatter and trust that some would fall on the good soil but would not have any prior knowledge of where's what. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us? It means that we actually, with this particular lens of looking at things, we actually don't know where we are investing ourselves, where we are sharing the good news. The first interpretation is that we know ahead of time, so we are intentional to do such a thing, of scattering at all different places. But with this particular lens, we actually don't know anyways. And in fact, we are not called to know. It is not our job to discern whether the soul is good or bad. What's our job? Our call? is to simply scatter the seeds. It is not our role to predetermine good and bad, worthy and unworthy investment in our midst. God calls us simply to join God's good work in scattering the seed. Simply scatter the seed. Labor alongside Jesus. And I don't know about you, I can certainly relate to this. I think many of us hopefully can relate to this. There are so many of people throughout my life who've invested, who've given themselves for me and toward me, and I imagine they've done the same for you. I like to believe that they didn't do prior calculation to see if you were worthy of their time and investment but instead, they gave themselves to you throughout your life, not for investment's sake, but for goodness' sake. Yeah. People had no idea that I was going to be a pastor any more than I did. And I'm sure people who loved you along your journey had no idea that you would be who you are today as they breathed life into you, gave themselves for you, sacrificed for you. And we do this good work, remembering that Jesus also encountered countless disappointments and objective failures. I mean, he was in his hometown sharing the good news, saving news with his extended family and friends, and they told him to get lost. Rejections does not mean that there's something wrong with the message. It's simply a reality of life. The rejections, when we do the works of God, does that mean that our labors are in vain? 
It simply speaks to the realities of our lives. This parable knows the struggles and failures of human life, but nevertheless proclaims the immeasurable goodness of God. It's tough and relentless work, evangelism, sharing the good news, giving ourselves to God's people, in spite of what seems to be overwhelming setbacks. In fact, according to this, uh, this passage, one could argue that the success rate is about what? 25%? 25%? I read in a, a Pew research quite some time ago, I don't know if this is still up to date, at least according to this research, uh, in the state of North Carolina, uh, roughly 23% of self-professing Christians attend uh, any form of worship throughout the course of that week. Yeah, so right around 25%. I don't know about you, I'm encouraged by that number. Yeah? <laughs> we can work with that number. Yeah? Work is many. Labors are few. God calls us to scatter the seed. <clears throat> Despite these um, somewhat disappointing numbers, although I find it to be quite encouraging it. At his heart, this parable is about hope and possibilities, not because of the expertise of any kind of sower. The sharing the love of God happens not because of what we are or what we do, but because of who God is and what God is doing even now. It speaks of hope and possibility when we do the works of God and how God will one day bring about yields of fruits that are as much as hundredfold, just not according to our timing, just not as we expect these things to happen. You know, verse 19 and onward, we get the interpretation of what's going on with the seeds that fall on the rock, on the path, and on the thorn. We read, when anyone hears the word of kingdom and does not understand it, furthermore, we read about the trials and tribulation that strips the seed away and the temptation of wealth that takes away the seeds of its potential for bearing fruits. Uh, there's so many things that gets in the way. One of the questions that we might ask is, why are we uh, so oftentimes disillusioned from our faith and disconnected from the church? There's not a simple response or a singular answer to this. Uh, for me, in so many ways, uh, my discipleship of Christ did not keep pace with the challenges of my adulthood. Uh, some of the, the callings of Christian discipleship is broadening our childhood and adolescent understanding of Jesus, of the Bible, of Christian discipleship in such a way that it provides a fruitful and faithful response to doubts and questions as we go through life. And that's easier said than done. I don't know about you, uh, there was a season of my life, and it still happens to this day, uh, the aspects of my Christian discipleship, particularly reading the Bible, is very challenging. It doesn't fit, sometimes, my cultural sensibilities. It does not say uh, what I want it to say in specific uh, instances. Uh, there are times where I'm tempted to find or make up something better as I perceive it, something that is more palatable and profitable to my liking. 
There are times when the Bible seems outdated and even outrageous. In, re in ways of reading the Bible, this is what Eugene Peterson writes. He writes, it is necessary at the same time as we read the Bible to live them, not to live them as a prerequisite to reading them and not to live them in consequences of reading them, but to live them as we read them. What does that mean? The Bible invites us to read with our eyes, with our ears, and with our lives. It is then and only then that we are able to comprehend the mysteries of God. Right? Understanding does not mean mere acknowledgement. Understanding is life-attuning, transformative knowledge. And always remember, always remember where to keep our focus. I can get so critical. I can get so disappointed. I am often so impatient. I can also spend much of my time despairing when I see that the seeds have not taken root. Right? Especially with those whom I love the most. <laughs> get it together. Why can't you do better? The sower does not do that. The sower accepts the reality of this endeavor, that some seeds, a good portion of it, may not bear fruit, but continues to scatter seed anyways. He keeps on sowing. We are called to do the same. We are called to do the same, remembering that the story does not end with inhospitable soil. How does the story end? Instead, the story ends with seeds that bear good fruits as much as hundredfold. This has been shared before, and I'll share it again. Our church was founded in 1925. I should have done the counting. I'll do this for 945 service, maybe. I believe the charter, num charter members were somewhere between 120 to 140. Anybody know? at 8.30 service. Yeah, I remember it being, I think it was right under 150, so maybe 147, 144. I'll go and count after this service. We now have membership of 5,300. Uh, we'll celebrate our centennial in a few years. Uh, do you think people in 1925 could have imagined that Myers Park United Methodist Church would be what it is today? And as we celebrate that truth and fruitfulness, I wonder who we will become, where God is calling us 100 years from now. So we continue to scatter the seed, believing the faithfulness and the goodness of our Lord together as a family of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please join me in prayer. Loving God, we thank you for the ministry of this church. We, re we remember the light this church has been in our lives and in this community. The ministries, the mission projects, the witness of this church 
that has brought life and liveliness to our community. We thank you for the gift we have to one another. We remember the Sunday school teachers, the mentors, and pastors who have shaped us, informed us in Christian love. We recall the saints who have gone before, yet whose care and influence are still so present. Lord, in your mercy. We thank you for your provision that never runs out. We attend to your call out of scarcity and into abundance, as well as your assurance that we can depend on you, the God who provides. We notice that our community has so much need, and we trust that you will provide the way for us to meet those needs when we follow your voice. Help us to get past our own judgments and assumptions so that we can scatter your seeds of goodness and abundance. Lord, in your mercy. God, we thank you for the gifts you are nurturing among us now. We notice the spirit at work among your people, bringing forth gifts of compassion and justice, care for children and youth, warm spirits and kind and encouraging words. We are learning to celebrate the gifts we have rather than despair of the gifts we think we ought to have. Lord, in your mercy. Holy One, we thank you for the dreams that you give us, dreams of a new reality where all people can thrive as a community brought together in love. We welcome your invitation to imagine how God-given abundance could transform our city and world. Your dream is good and beautiful, even when it feels daunting. Gracious God, we give you thanks for all you will do among us. Lord, in your mercy. We thank you for the ways you guide us into new expressions of your love in the world. We grieve for the ideas and ministries that gave life in the past that we now set aside to make room for new imaginings to take root. We rejoice that you continue to journey with us as we imagine a new reality into being because nothing is impossible with God. So now we join our voices and we pray the prayer of the resurrected one, your son Jesus by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power in the glory forever. Amen. Friends, now as the ushers come forward, it is a time in our service to give back to God. We thank you for the ways in which your giving enables us to make a difference in our community here and in our world. Friends, let us give with joyful hearts.
Abundant God, take these gifts and multiply them so that they may be used to scatter seeds of your goodness so that all may experience your love and grace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. May the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore.